Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today is another one of my series of 20 years and 20 podcasts. So for those that have never heard this before, um, I did a thing at Wordles last year where I, it was the 20th anniversary of Magic. I talked about each year um, in one minute, but that wasn't enough time. So I'm dedicating a podcast to each year of Magic's life so I could talk about what happened. Uh, and I've, so far I've done 93, 94, 95, 96, and 97, which means today is up to 1998. Okay, so 1998 started in a very nice way. In January, from January 29th to February 1st, we were in Rio de Janeiro for the second ever Duelist Invitational. Um, so uh, we, the previous year, we had been in Hong Kong for the very first Duelist Invitational, and this was the second one. Um, the first one had come about because um, uh, there was supposed to be the very first Grand Prix was supposed to happen. It fell through, and uh, we were called in at the last minute to um, come be the event, or one of the events. Uh, and it went really well, so well, that the South American office uh, contacted us and said, we would love to host you in Rio de Janeiro. And what were we supposed to do? Turn down Rio de Janeiro? So off we were to Brazil. Um, so at the event, Darwin Castle, a future Hall of Famer, defeated, uh, and, uh, Darwin is from the United States, defeated Jakob Schlemmer from the Czech Republic. So Jakob was a former world champion. In fact, had at the time was the, was the existing world champion. He won in 97. Um, and it was a very hard-fit battle, although Darwin was sick as a dog. Uh, I believe he, we had to stop the game multiple times for Darwin to go throw up because he was so sick. Um, and it was crazy, crazy hot, and, and uh, it, it was like 104 degrees, and we were in the only room in the entire building that was air-conditioned, this little glass room, um, and everyone was pressed up against the glass, probably because it was so cold, and um, watching, watching the match, and it was very, very cool. Also, by the way, at the exact same time, Pro Tour Rio de Janeiro was going on in the same building, uh, upstairs, where there was no air-conditioning, uh, and John Finkel defeated Stephen Omoni Schwartz. Uh, it was two Americans in the finals of Grand Prix Rio. Uh, a bunch of Americans had come because the invitation was there, and they were friends, so they came along as well. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the invitation will be very memorable for me uh, because that is where I proposed to my wife, to, to Laura. Um, we, stayed about a week after, we stayed a week extra along with um, Richard, Richard Garfield, his family, and Scaff Elias, and um, Peter Atkinson. And we went around and saw Rio and saw Cristo and a whole bunch of different cool stuff. And um, at, at, a, at a beach in Rio, in the water actually, it's where I proposed to my wife. Which, since we're talking about 1998, will pay off a little later in the year. 98 was a good, a good year for, uh, for me and my wife. Um, okay, so the next big event happened uh, on March 2nd, which was the release of Stronghold. So the previous fall, we had released Tempest, which was my first design. Uh, and it was followed up by Stronghold. So Tempest was uh, tied along with the Weatherlight Saga. It was the, uh, the previous year, uh, the Weatherlight expansion had introduced the team. I guess they had showed up a little bit, uh, or Lucisse and the, the Weatherlight had shown up in Mirage and Visions in Flavor Text. Uh, but Weatherlight was the introduction of Gerard Capuchin, and the, the main story got started. Sisse uh, got kidnapped and... Uh, so Weatherlight was about them gathering the group together. Tempest, they actually, you know, went to Wrath 
And then Stronghold was a continuation of that story. Um, Stronghold, so the premise was they were going to go rescue Sisse. In order to get there, they needed the help of Stark of Wrath. And Stark's, uh, in order to rescue Sisse, Stark said they needed to rescue his daughter, uh, someone named Takara. Meanwhile, uh, both Karn and Tongarth ended up getting captured. So they had to travel to the stronghold, uh, Volrath stronghold, to save a whole bunch of people. Uh, Sisse, Tongarth, Karn, uh, and um, Takara. Um, in it, uh, they also, uh, they would run into and meet the Sliver Queen that was in Stronghold. So Stronghold um, was, it was a continuation of Tempest. Uh, it introduced the spikes. I guess there was one spike in Tempest. Um, and it, it mostly was a continuation. I mean, it had, uh, back in the day, we would have two main mechanics. So buyback and shadow were the two main mechanics. And there was more advanced buyback and more shadow. And um, there were more lissids and more slivers and, uh, you know, more of the things that the first set had done. Um, other than the spikes in which they're introduced, there wasn't a lot of new mechanics in, in Stronghold, as much as there was advancements of things. Um, and, uh, at March 6th through 8th, there was a pro tour in Los Angeles, where David Price of the USA defeated Ben Rubin of the USA. Uh, Ben Rubin would go on to become a Hall of Famer. Uh, Dave Price was, um a teammate of Chris Bakula. Um, they call it Team uh, Dead Guy. And uh, his his victory was... Uh, Dave was... Uh, really, really loved playing aggressive red decks. And uh, this was... This Pro Tour was all Tempest. All Tempest constructed. Because it came out so shortly after Stronghold's release they didn't have to have Stronghold cards in it. Um, and... Because they weren't legal yet. That's how it worked back then. Um, but anyway... It was a very exciting final. I think Chris Pakula did commentary for the very first time, which was exciting because his good friend had won the Pro Tour. So he, he gave very exciting uh, coverage. Um, and we were, I think that was the second time we were on the boat. The previous year, I talked about uh, when um, Tommy Hobie defeated uh, David Mills and there was a riot. And, uh, in fact, that, that was the third time. First time was Hammer Rainier beating um, Tom Gavin. Then was... Uh, was uh, Tommy Hobie defeating David Mills. Third time, Dave Price defeating Ben Rubin. This was the first event that Ben Rubin showed up at. You'll see later in the year, Ben would have another really good finish um, to put himself on the map. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was a very uh, dramatic and exciting pro tour. Um, okay, then in April, uh, April 17th to the 19th, was the next pro tour in New York City. Um, so... This one was won by a player you might have heard of named John Finkel. So John Finkel defeated Dominic Krapichitz. Uh For those, by the way, a little trivia for you, the name Dominic Krapichitz, if you've ever played the game Wits and Wagers, that was designed by Dominic Krapichitz. He's the, he went into game design, and Wits and Wagers is his baby. Um, so uh, if you've ever played it, uh, he, was, he was defeated by John Finkel. Um, Dominic Krapichitz was the same person, by the way, if I've told this story, of the guy who came in top eight at, um, I think, the very first, uh, the Hammer Ragnar one, the very first top eight, only for us to discover that Scott Johns was actually in the top eight. There was an error in recording, and I had to show up early and tell Dominic that he was not in the top eight, which was one of the least fun things I've ever had to do while working for the Pro Tour. Um, okay, that gets us to June 15th, which was the release of the second set for Magic, 
the uh, the Exodus pre-release. Um, I'm sorry, the Exodus release. Uh, so Exodus was the third set in the Tempest um, thing. So Exodus in the story was the fleeing of the... Basically what happened was, in the story real quickly, is Urtai had gone to talk with the Sultari, uh, particularly with an emissary, the Sultari emissary, named Lena, named after my mom, by the way. Uh, my mom's name is Lynn, but... Um, and uh, he opened the portal, and the only way for them to get off wrath was to go through this portal. Because it was an erratic portal. Um, anyway, uh, there was a whole bunch of... This, this is where the... the I was very involved with the Red Light Saga, but Exodus is where I kind of, I, I kind of was let go, and uh, things started to deviate from the original story that Michael and I had pitched long ago. Um, but in it, basically, the team had to escape, and they had to get through the portal. Um, in, in this version, Mary gets killed, Corvax goes evil, Urtai gets abandoned behind, so things don't go so well for the Weather Lake crew. But they do escape to Mercadia, which we would learn about um, uh, not ne- not the following year. But the year after, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. Um, Exodus, um, ex- Exodus. Uh, I mean, it was a continuation of Tempest. It, it introduced a few things. Uh, you know, it had the Oath Cycle. Oath the Druids was in there. It uh, it had um, it had both Survival of the Citus and Recurring Nightmare, which both ended up to be very, very powerful cards. Um, anyway, it was definitely a uh, um, a fun set. Um, and on the same month, two magic expansions got released in the same month. How often does that happen? The other one was called Portal Second Age. So let me explain what Portal Second Age was. So in 1996, I believe, we released Portal. So what Portal was is we were trying to teach people. Or was it 97? 96 or 97 was Portal. We were trying to teach people how to play magic. We tried a bunch of different things. Uh, so Portal was our attempt to saying, okay, we'll release a product that's like magic but a little simpler. And so it only had um, sorceries and creatures and land. It didn't have incense or enchantments or artifacts. Um, and the idea was it was meant to be a much simpler version of magic. So Portal Second Age, uh, we had gotten in a creative team to do the Tempest Saga, and we decided that we would give a creative treatment to Portal. The first Portal was very kind of generic. And so what happened for the second Portal is the same creative team that had created Wrath and done all that work made a world for Portal. Uh, it is the only time, really, that we used guns. Portal Second Age is kind of famous for having... Uh, I mean, they were very um, muskety kind of guns, but it's the one time in Magic that we had guns as a key part of the IP. Um, something we haven't returned back to, I'm happy to say. I'm not a big fan of guns in Magic. Uh, guns don't feel super fantasy to me. I like my fantasy to stay more fantasy. And I think in, in, in Magic, the weapons in Magic is the magic. I'm not a huge fan of... I mean, I don't mind a sword. That, that, that's pretty fantasy. But um, anyway, so Portal Second Age came out, and it it had a completely different look to it and had a world that was self-contained. Um, it didn't do particularly well. It didn't do... I mean, Portal kind of didn't do well. Portal Second Age didn't do too well. Uh, Portal Three Kingdoms would come out in the following year. Uh, that had a little better success, but it was a very different market. Um, okay. Next up was, uh, in August, we had the World Championship. So, uh, the World Championship was held in Seattle. Um, we, uh, the previous year it had been at the Tournament Center, Wizard of the Coast Tournament Center. This year it was held, uh, very, very close by at, um, the University of Washington. 
So it was in the U District, it was nearby, but it was, uh, to get a little more space, we were in the U District. I think the finals were shot at the, um, I do think the finals were held, um, I think they were, were held, anyway, um, uh, nonetheless, uh, it was held, most of it was held at the University of Washington, um, and that season, by the way, the 97-98 season was a very, very dominant season for the U.S. In fact, every single Pro Tour, Chica- Pro Tour Chicago was won by Randy Bueller, Pro Tour Mites was won by Matt Place, Pro Tour LA was won by David Price, Pro Tour New York was won by John Finkel. The Worlds that year was run by a guy named Brian Selden from the U.S. who defeated Ben Rubin. So Ben Rubin had two top twos in one season. Um, anyway, in fact, the top eight of that Worlds had one non-American in it, which was Raphael Levy of France was the only non-American in that top eight. Um, that top eight included John Finkel. Uh, I mean, Ben Rubin obviously was in it. Um, it was a, it, uh, Chris Pakula was in it. Uh, it was a real chock-full top eight. Um, uh, and... Uh, in fact, when we talk about, like, like uh, high-profile top eights, it's one of the ones they always talk about. Um, uh, I think Scott Johns was in that. Alan Comer might have been in that. It was a very, very, like, high-octane high uh, top eight. In fact, one of the funny trivias about that is Chris Pakula was in it in the quarterfinals and lost, and then the semifinals started doing coverage. So I think that's the only time where the person who did coverage had been in the top eight and then later did coverage. Um, my sister got married, so I actually was at the beginning, I was there for, I think, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then came back for Saturday, or Sunday, I was back for Sunday, so I, I, must, I, I must have been there for, my, my sister got married, and so I had to fly back, so I was there for the beginning of Worlds, flew back to my sister's wedding, and made it back to the end of Worlds to do the coverage, um, one of my crazier weekends, um, uh, and Brian Selden, Brian Selden would go on to have some other success, he had some other top eights, um, he actually was very good. Um, and he defeated Ben Rubin, who would go on, obviously go on to be a Hall of Famer. Um, also released in August, or also to happen in August, was the release of a set very near and dear to my heart, Unglued. So for those that do not know what Unglued is, so uh, I was approached by Bill Rose and Joel Mick, and they came up with an idea of a silver-bordered magic set. The idea was a magic set that wasn't legal in tournaments and would have a different border to designate that it wasn't tournament legal. Uh, and their idea was I could do whatever I wanted. It could do cards we couldn't make in normal Blackboard Magic. Um, I was given that assignment. I ended up deciding that it should have a humorous bent and added a parody element to it, uh, and then really went to town, and I was very happy. Unglued is uh, one of my proudest accomplishments uh, as a designer. It really was a special thing. Um, I mean, it, it, it was all over the board. I mean, it had BFM, which was a card so big, and ninety nine ninety nine that it required two cards to be able to get it in play. And it, it broke borders, and cards, you know, knocked from one card to the other, or just all sorts of crazy. Creatures eating their own flavor text, and just a lot of nutty things. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and it turned out to be really good. Um, in fact, the pre-release was held at Gen Con that year. Um, at Gen Con in August... Uh, I went there, and I dressed as a chicken. Uh, the, the real quick version of this story is we were brainstorming about what to do at the pre-release, and we were brainstorming, so there's a chicken theme in the set. And so I, during a brainstorm, I said, oh, I could head judge dressed as a chicken, and, like, you could hear the screeching of the break, and, like, as they stopped brainstorming and go, dressed as a chicken, okay, we'll do that. And, like, the brainstorming then turned into Mark dressing as a chicken. <laughs> uh, which I did... I actually got sick 
Uh, I breathed in. Uh, there was a lot of d- dust, I guess, in the costume, and I breathed it in, and I ended up getting some sort of bronchial problem. I, I actually, one of the few times I had laryngitis because I, I, I had some sort of lung issue from all the... Uh, but I didn't run the tournament, and it went smoothly. I didn't get sick till later. Um, but it was a hoot. Uh, by the way, when I say the pre-release, there was one pre-release for Unglued. It was at Gen Con. That was the only pre-release. We ran a whole bunch of flights. I think we ran six or eight flights. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely ran it a little different than a normal pre-release. Uh, you got tickets for doing different weird things, and then there was a raffle. So um, I guess for winning, you got a ticket. So winning meant something, but you got more tickets by doing things than winning. So it definitely encouraged people to have fun more so than just win. Um, okay, and then September of that month, September 5th to the 6th, uh, was Grand Prix Boston. Uh, I, I only brought it's the only the only Grand Prix I'm bringing up. Only because it was a pretty exciting one, in which the finals were between uh, John Finkel, who defeated Randy Bueller, who at the time, those would be the number one and number two pro players of the year. Uh, and so it was, it was pretty exciting. The follow-up, the next, uh, later that month, September 25th to the 27th, in PT Chicago. So we've had a bunch of Pro Tour Chicago's. Uh, but this one, Dirk Fabrowski of Germany defeated Casey McCarroll of the USA. So Casey would go on, I think, the next year to win a Pro Tour. Um, Dirk would go on to win two more Pro Tours, although both times as a team member of Phoenix Foundation. So Dirk is, so um, uh, Kai Buda has won seven Pro Tours, and only two people have ever won three Pro Tours, Dirk Babarowski and John Finkel. Now, John won three individual Pro Tours. Dirk won one individual and two team. But nonetheless, uh, Dirk Babarowski would later get inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, and he is considered one of the greats. Um, if not for Kai Buda, he would probably be the greatest German player to ever play. And if you ask Kai Buda, I think he would say he is the greatest player to ever play. I know Kai is a huge, huge fan of Dirk Babarowski. Um, he thinks he's underrated. Like, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's won more Pro Tours than almost anybody else. And Kai is claiming to me he thinks Dirk Babarowski is underrated as a pro player. Okay, and October 12th was the release of Urza's Saga. So what had happened was, real quickly... Um, one of these days I'll probably do my Urza Saga thing, but uh, the short version is uh, we got a creative team to do Tempest. The story kind of got taken away from Mike and I, and they decided they want to do a prequel to tie the story into Urza. Because uh, in our version of the story, Urza was not, I mean, Urza was only tangentially involved, and they ended up making him very involved. And so they decided it was time for a prequel, and we were going to go back and learn about Urza and his adventure, his saga, if you will. Um... So what happened was, uh, design-wise, we had designed an enchantment set. It was not designed with Urza in mind. And then after the fact, we were told we were going back, and it was a prequel, and we were going to go back in time. Um, And so the problem was Urza was an artificer, uh, and so they decided to call this block the Artifact Cycle because it tied to Urza, which was very confusing since the set really wasn't about artifacts, it was about enchantments. Uh, but we had a bunch of broken artifacts, and anyway, no one remembers it was about enchantments. Uh, so Urza Saga, for those that don't know their history, was one of, if not the most broken things in all of magic. It was broken, to use an R&D terminology. Um, uh, basically what happened was, um, it was the same people who had developed all the magic sets at the time, me and Bill Rose and Mike Elliott and William Jockish and Henry Stern. And we were really overrun with things. Bill, I know, was doing portal stuff and I was doing Unclude and 
I think Henry was working on Portal, uh, Portal um, Three Kingdoms, and we were all kind of like there was not a lot of us, and we were being torn in a lot of we were being pulled in a lot of different directions, and so the set did not get the attention it needed. It it ended up being very broken. Uh, I talk about how um, there's three the three legs of combo. One is engines, one is card drawing, and one is fast mana. And this set had all of them in abundance. Uh, and so it was probably the most broken environment we've ever had. I mean, uh, there'd be some other times. There was the Necro Summer of 96. Uh, there was Combo Winter, which was, was this one. And there was um, a fin- it didn't have a name, I guess, but, but the Mirrodin, the year of Mirrodin and, and the Infinity Madness. Those were the three kind of craziest times for Magic. I think this was the worst, the most broken, where the things were the craziest, or the Mirrodin gave it a run for the money. Um, Urza Saga was popular, and that was powerful, but it was broken. Um, and uh, so it was... Uh, we started doing... Um, uh, well, I guess we didn't start doing previous. Previous is the start of the previous year. Um, so, but uh, Urza Saga was used at the last Pro Tour of the year, Pro Tour Rome. Uh, and at Pro Tour Rome, it was won by Tomi Hovi of Finland, who had previously... So that was the first person to ever win two Pro Tours. Now, as far as Tomi was concerned, he never felt he won the first Pro Tour because David Mills was disqualified. So Tomi was really, really happy when he won because he felt like he finally won a Pro Tour, um, even though technically it was the second Pro Tour. Um, Pro Tour Rome was very uh, uh, quirky, uh, it was run by the European offices. Uh, they, the, a bunch of us in the U.S. showed up more to advise, but we were actually not running the event. We were there in, in an advisory capacity. Um, and it was a crazy pro tour, mostly because it used Urza Saga. Um, the joke of the pro tour was, uh, there, you know, and Urza Saga in general, was there was early game, which was mulliganing, uh, and then there was mid-game, that was turn one, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, early game was shuffling, uh, mid-game was mulliganing, and then late game was turn one. <laughs> uh, a lot of decks could win on turn one or turn two, uh, and so it was a crazy, crazy fast environment. The Pro Tour, uh, I forget the format of the Pro Tour, but it is probably the most powerful format the Pro Tour's ever had, and I think it was, it might have been either extended or standard, but it was just blisteringly, blisteringly fast. Um, things like Tolerant Academy, and just, there were so many broken things there. Okay. Also in November, Anthologies came out. So Anthologies was a box set. Uh, it had two 60-card decks, I think a green-white deck and a black-red deck, and it was meant to celebrate the fifth anniversary of Magic. Uh, Magic had come out in 1993, and this was 1998. So to celebrate the fifth anniversary, we released a box set. It was meant for the holidays. Um... It came with a box so that you could, you could you know, keep your cards in it. Um, and it was two 60-card pre-constructed decks. Um, and it had cards from every set from Alpha all the way through Urza's Saga, which was the most recent thing. Um, and it had, I think it's kind of, probably the biggest thing that Anthologies goes down in the record books for was it had a bunch of, um, it was white-bordered and had a bunch of mistakes in it. And so there are a bunch of cards from Anthologies that are pretty rare. Um, I know we messed up. We messed up on like on Semite Healer, like maybe on a Mesa Pegasus. 
we, we messed up on a bunch. Somehow they were mostly white cards, but in which we wrote the wrong thing. Um, and the funny thing is, the cards looked a lot like 5th edition cards, which came out in 1997, because they were white-bordered, and they were templated very similarly. Uh, in fact, I think the only way to tell them apart might be the copyright, because for the first time in 1998, uh, before that, we would just list the year it was pr- produced, and then we would list 1993 through the years produced. So, like, the copyrights for anthologies, if I remember correctly, was, like, 1993 through 1998. But the only way to tell that you have an anthologies version of a card, if it's not misprinted, there's some misprints, is to look for the copyright date. Little, little, uh, um. But anyway, that was, so that was all the product releases and the events of the year. Oh, real quickly, I promised this. In October of that year, October 10th to be exact, I got married... Um, not particularly a horrendous magic-related thing, other than I invited many, many magic people. We got invited. We got married. Um, called destination wedding, where um, out on one of the islands. There's a bunch of islands off of Seattle and a place called Port Ludlow, and we got married there. And all of R and D and a lot of other people came and spent the weekend there. It was a little resort area, and um, anyway, a little personal uh, uh, highlight of 1998. Uh, as I as I run through, I'll. I'll I'll share one or two little things. Most is about magic, but... Um, so anyway, let me recap. I'm almost to work. So 1998 was definitely a year of us sort of finding our feet a little more. I mean, 97 was the year we branched out. We started doing more of the foreign language stuff. I mean, this was the year where the, the Pro Tour really started churning and getting going. Um, and our product releases were... You know, we, we stopped having a lot of the printing errors you'd see in early years. Um, and I, I think we were starting to find our groove a little bit. I mean, there obviously some, was some chaos behind the scenes with the Weatherlight Saga and stuff, but, um, and I guess, well, I, I, okay, to be fair, uh, Urza Saga was a low point from a, I mean, so when we talk about, um, I think a lot of times I talk about the kind of mistakes we made and then the, the good thing it led to. So Urza Saga was the biggest developmental mistake we've ever made. I mean, you can argue Mirrodin, Mirrodin will fight it for, for the honor, but, uh, but one of the things it did, so when we made Urza Saga, it went badly. We banned a whole bunch of cards, uh, created what was called Combo Winter, which was just a very, very bad time for Standard, where people were leaving in droves because it wasn't fun. A lot of people left the game during Urza Saga. So it's the one and only time that we ever got called into the CEO's office, Peter Atkinson at the time, and yelled at, chewed out. Um, and we were informed that if it ever happened again, we were being fired. Fired. It's the only time I've ever been threatened with being fired in my 18-plus uh, years at Wizards. Um, and in fact, Mercadian Mask, which would follow it. If you ever wonder why Mercadian Mask wasn't that strong, uh, that's part of it. Um, and uh, so I think, the, I think the lessons of this year was we realized that we really didn't have developers, as we think, modern sense. I mean, we had people that could develop. Um, but most of us at heart, I mean, really... Uh, Mike and I were more designers than heart. Bill was kind of half designer, half developer. Um, I mean, Henry and William were... In fact, Henry was the only sort of what we think of, uh, I would think of a modern day where he had proved himself on the Pro Tour. He had two top fours at Worlds. Um, and we decided that we needed to do more of that. And so what would happen in, in the following year, um, in 1999, we would hire some Pro Tour people. Randy Bueller would be one of the big ones. Um, we would start hiring people from the Pro Tour to do development. And it really would be a big shift in how we did development of, of hiring people that sh- had shown some expertise and being able to break environments to, to, to do development. And so 
Um, in some ways, 1998 was the mistake that led us to modern development. I mean, we didn't get modern development until 1999, but it was the impetus that made us get modern development. So I guess 98, looking back, was probably a year of a few mistakes. Um, I, it's funny. I, I guess I, I started by saying, oh, it's like a good year. I'm like, well, except we blew up the tournament environment and behind-the-scenes story kind of went crazy. And Okay, it was a, t- uh, a, a tumultuous year behind the scenes. Um, and, uh, we had some fun sets and fun pro tours and things were slowly coming together, but we were finding our feet and, uh, while we weren't misprinting things, well, other than anthologies, um, we had our share of things to learn. And so 98 was definitely, a a growing pains year, but anyway, uh, I'm now at work. And so that my friends was 1998. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about it because I do love talking about history, but even more. I love making magic. I messed that up. Uh, I like, as much as I like talking about magic, even more, I like making magic. I'm working on this. I'm trying to get this. See, I had the intro all down. I've been doing it for a hundred times, but I'm working on this. I'll get this closing one eventually. But anyway, it's fun talking to you guys about, uh, about the year 1998. Anyway, it's time for me to go make magic cards. So thank you very much for joining me, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>